Welcome back to the Thermodiet Podcast. I'm your host, Jayton Miller, and I'm here today with Mr. Josh Rubin. How are you doing today, Josh? Pretty good, pretty good. So um, if you don't mind, for the people who don't know you, do you mind giving a little bit of background information? Um, I am 44, um, and make a long story short, I ended up going to school Got my degree in occupational therapy from there. Went to, you know, Chinese medicine school. Went through uh, Paul Check's, you know, all his certifications uh, and taught for him all over the globe for about 10, maybe nine or 10 years, somewhere in there. Um, ended up going to um, osteopathic school, but manual-based osteopathy in, in Canada. Um, I actually have two classes left. I stopped that when uh, my son was born and just haven't been up there yet. So... Um, you know, between all that, that doesn't really mean much for me. It's more, you know, for me, I take that information and I study and I research and I study and I research. But for me, the most important thing is I apply it to myself, my clients to see what works and what doesn't work, you know? So I'm really big on that. I'm not big on, well, just cause this research says A, B, C, and D that I'm going to believe it. I'm going to follow it. You know, I like to try things and really see what works because Research is not taking into account the person, what, why they're here, you know, what they've been through, their traumas, et cetera, the state of their body, the state of their nervous system. It's just looking at one little piece. Um, so I'm a why guy, and that's really what's gotten to me where I am today. And I'm always drawn towards the people that make me go, what the heck have I been doing all these years with my work? You know, whether it be Paul Check or Ray Pete or Molly Robbins or – so many other people, it makes me just go, oh, damn, like that's, it makes me question everything that I know. And for me, you know, I'm not saying everyone should be like this, but I think we, you know, the only way we can grow and evolve and not only help ourselves, but if we work with people, help other people is to do that instead of just reacting and bashing and say that's stupid and it doesn't work. So that's kind of, in my opinion, why I've gotten to where I am today why I've gone through so many different degrees and I certifications and, you know, I stopped a lot of that stuff um, when I was 40 because it was like 40 years of doing that. But I feel like that's what got me here today. It's just always asking why digging deeper to find what works individually for each person. Awesome. So, you know, over the time that you've been working with these people, what are some of the most common patterns that you've seen? You know, we could talk about SIBO and candida and parasites and, you know, the list goes on. Low iron and blah, 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 blah. But that's the hamster wheel everyone's on, right? Um, I always say, you know, when I started in this industry, I was just talking to people about eating food and eating organic food and how do we do that and why and why it's so important. And, you know, autoimmune disease were really not as, as large as they are. And, and we didn't really see adrenal fatigue and all these terms in H. pylori and SIBO and candida that's like eating us alive. Um, but through the evolution of being in this industry 20 years, that's what we're seeing now. Everyone I talk to has an autoimmune disease. Everyone I talk to has Hashimoto's. They can't eat food because they're intolerant to food. That, that should wake us up. We're human. We should be able to eat food. When we start reacting to food, shit's going wrong big time. And it's not our body. It's what we're doing to our body. So really to answer your question is the biggest pattern I see is people are super depleted, whether it be in minerals, right? Because of how we eat our soil, chronic stress, uh, 
genetically modified foods or like organisms, things like Roundup, high fructose corn syrup, overdosing on NSAIDs, all these things affecting our minerals in a negative way. Taking synthetic vitamins, which deplete our minerals. Being depleted in energy, right? Why? Because we overwork, we overtrain, we undereat. Most of us undereat. No matter how much you think you're eating, we undereat. And this creates a depletion. So really the common pattern I see is depletion, right? And, and, and how do we really know people are depleted? Most of you just need to really tune in and go, oh my God, like I can't, I'm so tired. You know, I can't do this anymore. I want to get off the hamster wheel. You know, I've done every diet. I've worked with every practitioner. I've taken every supplement. Nothing's worked, right? It's exhausting. And the more you do that, the more depleted you get, Right. Um, and the, the way we look at it is from checks and balances. You're just constantly withdrawing money. You're writing checks your body can't cash. And over time, that catches up with us. And that's why most of us are a million dollars in debt. We're so depleted and we can't catch up. And we're focusing on all the wrong things to try to catch up, right? So in a sense, we're trying to pay that million dollars back with pennies, right? That doesn't feel rewarding. If you're a million dollars in debt, that's going to be stressful it's like really stressful. But if you pay it off with pennies, it's going to take you forever. And that's what everyone's doing. Why? Because they're focusing on symptoms. They're chasing the symptoms. They're looking for the next best supplement, next best device, next best practitioner. The list goes on. Instead of saying, who am I? What did I need? What got me here? Where did I come from? And what are my basic human needs that I need to make sure that are in alignment so I can create that environment for health? And when people do that, like the last, I just got off the phone with a client that was just like, I, like, I don't know, even know how to eat food. Like, it's, it's so crazy. I'm so like, and it, she's so happy that she's doing this because she's seeing what she was eating every day, you know, just carbs and carbs and carbs and not enough protein, you know, and too much fat. And she's like, it's, it's, this is showing me, like, I don't even know how to eat food and uh, it makes sense why I feel the way I feel. So I just feel people are just so depleted. Um, and we look at it from an energy standpoint. We look at it from the cell level, body temperature and pulse, like a little bit more quantitative, but also I think how you feel is a big indicator as well. Right? Uh, definitely. Um, so, you know, over these years, what are some of the most common distractions that you've seen that a lot of people tend to fall into? Um, whether it's going uh, an extremist route, like I feel like one of the things that we're experiencing today is people are on an all meat diet or an all plant diet. Yeah. Uh, there's really no balance there. So what are some of the most common distractions that you see people fall into? Um, uh, distractions. I would say the first one is people are lazy. Mm. And when I talk about this stuff, I'm human too and I'm a people. So I'm not excluding myself from any of this. Um, but I've worked hard at what I do for a long time. And, um, you know, I think people are lazy. You know, we, we want to get somewhere, but we don't want to put in the work, right? And we look at, we look at our society right now. We look at, you know, this, this, this generation of children coming through. And it's like, we have such a society that's so lazy because we want to be able to get healthy, but we just don't want to put in the work, right? It's that old saying, like, everyone wants to be successful until they find what it takes to actually be successful. It's the same thing with health. And we see it. Why? Because everyone's like, oh, doctors suck. All they do is labs and give me medication. 
So I'm going to go work with my naturopath and I'm going to go work with my functional medicine doctor. Well, guess what, Johnny and Henry and Sally and Susie, they do the same philosophy. They're just using supplements and crazier labs to tell you what's wrong with you. When your doctor already told you there's really nothing pathologically wrong with you. So in my opinion, they're creating more dysfunction. So we're so lazy to the point that like, we just want to try to take and do everything we can without really doing anything to try to get results. Instead of saying, well, I have some trauma from when I was nine because I was physically abused and I started drinking when I was nine or because I had an eating disorder or I've tried every diet in the book and it's created so much depletion in my system and put my nervous system into a fight or flight state or, you know, I've been doing fasting for 10 years or the list goes on instead of saying, who am I as an individual? What do I need and how do I get here? And how do I, how do I support my body? It's about if we create the environment for health, health will flourish. So I think number one common pattern is people are lazy. They don't want to put into the work. And unfortunately the only way you can create change is cause and effect. The only way you can affect the effect is to change the cause. Everyone's focusing on the effect, right? How do I chase the symptoms? Do the supplements, red light therapy, blue blocker glasses, peptide, SARMs, you name it. It's out of control. Instead of saying in simplicity, are my basic human needs met? And when you look at society, they're not met. So I'd say the first pattern is complete laziness. The second is the opposite end of the spectrum. We think that the more we do to get healthy, the faster we're going to heal and the healthier we're going to heal. It's the same thing with like spirituality, right? The more we talk about it or the more we dress like it the more spiritual we are that's not true i think that you can see it under just like you said because you have these all protein diets these all carb diets these vegan diets these gut diets these h pylori diet parasite diets candida diet SIBO diet histamine diet aip diet the list goes on and you have the people that are like way beyond that the, the biohackers that if you pulled everything they did away they would literally crumble because they can't survive without it and that tells us something because if what you're doing is not sustainable, it's not healthy. It's simple as that because it's not sustainable. You always got to do something extra or add something to counteract or create some more balance because you're so out of balance. And then if you took all those supplements away, right, you would actually see how deficient you are or how destructive that is on your system or how much your diet is not really allowing you to create sustainability or adaptability, um, or resiliency, right? So for me, I think people take it so far to the right or so far to the left, right? We're so lazy, we don't wanna put in the work, but we wanna get results. Or we put in so much that health becomes so much of a part of our life that it runs our life, and now it's not fun anymore, and it's not sustainable. And the journey of health now is becoming unhealthy. So I think those are the two most common patterns, and that really brings in our approach what we're trying to help people do is kind of find that balance point for each individual or how do we tune into that person's radio station so they can enjoy life, so they can find balance and not feel like they're on a diet, so they can enjoy some of the foods they want while creating balance and healing at the same time and finding that individuality. And I think that as a society as a whole, we're so out of balance. I mean, you can see it um, in every arena possible. So, um, I would say those for me are the two most common patterns. 
Um, one thing that you touched on in that was the psychological significance that it can, that the psychology has on the physiology, like the psychological realm and its effect yeah. on the body. Um, that's one thing that Broda Barnes talks about in his book um, is kind of how thyroid hormone can have a direct relationship with the psychology of an individual, whether it's mm-hmm. um, some kind of psychiatric disorder. I think the example that he uses is um, a young girl was hearing voices and he administered thyroid therapy to her and the voices went away. Um, and they repeated that process a few times until she was consistent with her therapy. Um, how do you kind of condense that and explain that to people? Cause I feel like that's a major um, step that people are kind of not taking. Oh, they're not taking mm-hmm. right. Most of us are so disconnected from who we are. I have people say to me, 20 year olds say to me, you know, this is during this pandemic, right? Which is not really a pandemic. Um, this is the, this is weird. Like this is the first time I've had to experience emotions as a human being. And, you know, you have to really think about what they're really saying. And I think we're, everything we do in our society disconnects us from ourselves. Phones, iPods, or rings, technology, it pulls us away from tuning in. Right, we need apps to tell us how we slept. I sleep every day, close my eyes, I blink and I wake up. I know how I slept by how I feel. And I know when I don't sleep good. I don't need a device to tell me, hey, you fucking didn't, sorry, you didn't sleep well. And I think we're so disconnected that we need that stuff. The problem is it moves us actually further away. So when you study the work of certain people like uh, Gabor Mate, he talks about the psychosocial um, theory or whatever he calls it, the psychosocial mechanism. And I really like his work for this, for this particular piece because it really correlates with what we're trying to do with people and have them tune into themselves. So he talks about how this, the psychology of the individual cannot be separated from the biology, right? So it's like everything that we've gone from through from conception till now, whether it be a trauma or stress, which is the same thing, right? You don't have to be abused to have trauma. There's a lot of people that get bullied or they do diets. Or they, I talk to so many people with eating disorders or they're addicted to medications or addicted to gambling or they have addictive behaviors or they have PTSD because they were so sick and they're starting to feel better. They don't want to feel sick again, right? So you can't separate everything from conception till now. What you need to realize is Everything from conception till now has created who you are. So to focus just on how you feel today, what's happening today, you're doing a huge, huge disservice to your system. We have to start to explore. And not that I want to be your emotional counselor. My goal with a lot of our, even our posts on Instagram is to not always tell people what to do, but to get them think a little bit differently and go, whoa, like that that post is saying something to me. I don't know what it's saying, but I'm going to have to read it a few times to think about it. Or I, maybe I need to go read something to understand what's being said or research. It's to, to get people off that hamster wheel that they're on. And I think the biggest thing is people really understanding that the only way you're going to heal, the only way, I say this hands down, is if you stop focusing on the here and now. Oh, I have SIBO and candida. I mean, the list where we say the same things over and over again. And to look at what got you here and to start to create a different environment. 
even from like how you're sleeping, when you go to bed, when you wake up, the simplicity things that seem so simple for a lot of people, you know, those are the things that are going to create a different environment that allow you to heal. I mean, think about it. how many people have you talked to that say, I've worked with five or six practitioners, their philosophy did not work for me and I wasted $10,000. What's the common denominator with all these practitioners? It's you, right? And the reason it didn't work, it's not their, their, their approach doesn't work because they wouldn't be in business. It's because no one's really said to you, how the hell did you get here? You know, when do you have gut issues? When did it start? Well, I started to have gut issues, you know, like shortly before, after I, you know, my husband started cheating on me. There's a huge correlation when you study the work of Gabor Mate and when you just understand the physiology of the human body and how that psychological stress can cause constant stimulation of the HPA axis 24-7, right? And what that's going to do to our system. So I think talking to people about that psychosocial aspect is huge. The other piece is just to talk to them as much about the physiological aspect because I think when we understand the why behind what we're doing and then the why of what we're doing, we can start to um, – what's the word I'm looking for? I think, it's, I think it makes people feel more comfortable with what they're doing because it's a strategy versus, you know, when I start with clients and I look at their supplement list, I'll say, so tell me why you're taking this supplement. Um, I don't know. Like my naturopath told me or a friend's taken it. So I took it. And I always say, if you don't know what you're putting in your body, you shouldn't be taking it because there has to be a reason for everything you're doing. Cause there's always a consequence, right? I forgot my whole point with what I was saying right now, but hopefully that helps someone. Um, so we always go back to the cell physiology and say, well, when we look at ourselves, not from a resting standpoint, you know, from a, from a movement standpoint, because the second we wake up and we think and we breathe and we move, we need energy, right? Our cells primary source of fuel when we move is glucose and oxygen and thyroid hormone and copper and selenium, right? Yes. We use some protein for energy. Yes. We use some fat for energy. It's not our primary source. How do we know this? Well, go read any biology, biochemistry, metalomics book, you name it. It's going to show you, right? And most keto people will say it's not. Well, if it's not, why do you have to teach your body to be fat adapted if it's not? Because it is. It's that simple. So we know that our body needs these things to regulate energy. And this is why we have our approach. Um, and that one important piece, like you mentioned, is thyroid hormone. The thyroid hormone is the only hormone that can influence the 50 billion cells in your body, whatever you want to call them, uh, or how many. Um, it's the only hormone that can influence them. And it has a huge influence, of course, on the cell in your brain, your tissues, the list goes on. And when you look at our cells, of course, they have mitochondria. And all these things that I mentioned get that mitochondria going, right? And if the mitochondria is not going and it's not pumping and it's not moving like an engine and you're not getting oxygen, you're not getting thyroid hormone, you're not getting selenium, copper, right? What's happening? You're creating oxidative stress, which eventually creates inflammation and the list goes on. And if you're producing oxidative stress, no matter what you eat, what you try, what you take, you cannot heal. So what we're trying to do is change how your cells are working and how your mitochondria are working. And the more you feed them with thyroid hormone, and the, those other things, you keep that going, the more mitochondria you create. 
And of course you have different amounts of mitochondria and different cells in your body. Like, um, in your liver, I think you have like the average cell has about like a couple hundred. I think in your liver, you'll have like a couple thousand mitochondria in each cell. And then you have hearts like five to 6,000 and the list goes on. So you can see how important is this hormone and oxygen and glucose is to the cell because that's what they thrive on. So we know that anytime we don't feed ourselves, we're not storing energy, we're not regulating our blood sugar, we're not allowing ourselves to produce energy, which is CO2. ATP and water, right? Then we're in an oxidative state, we're in an inflammatory state. So when it comes to how our cells breathe, this is important because they're conductors of the system. And like Brodebarn says, I mean, I've never like said, hey, you have schizophrenia, take T3. You don't have schizophrenia anymore. I can't claim I've ever done that. But I've seen so many people that we work with when they start to change how they live and they change how they eat using our RTN approach and they regulate how their cells are using thyroid hormone, which is seen in bonding temperature and pulse, what happens? They feel clearer, their mind lifts, they don't have brain fog anymore. Why? Because they're feeding their cells with energy and they're not creating oxidative stress. They're not producing cytokines. The list goes on. Yes, definitely. So uh, there's a bunch of stuff to unpack there. I think the first one that sticks out to me most of all is whenever somebody is stuck in that psychological part, what can they do from a nutrition and lifestyle standpoint? What's the first step they can take in order to help their body heal and kind of get out of that pattern? Um, get out of the pattern of being in their head? Or just, um, just that stress state on a physiological oh. level so it's easier for the psychology to follow behind that. I think it's obviously, it's, it's and this is our approach, it's very personalized. I think everyone's going to have a different starting point. But, and I, and I want to say that just to make it clear so people don't go, well, I tried it and it didn't work. Everyone's very different. I think the most important thing is before we go and work on the demons, whether it be sleep, childhood trauma, whatever, hormones, like just leave, let those be for a while, right? Because it's a process and a journey to healing. Um, I would say the first thing for a lot of people is making sure – I think you can put everything I'm going to say into like one principle, even though it's probably three. Um, we'd be making sure that, that at every meal and snack, you're getting a carbon and protein. Why? Um, it really helps create balance in your physiology versus just getting protein, creating like a hypoglycemic environment or getting just all carbs and creating a hyperglycemic or, you know, um, to a hypoglycemic environment, that very dysglycemic environment. Um, you're going to be getting a lot of fat soluble vitamins, which are really important different minerals. And you're going to be getting fuel from the carbohydrates that allow us to store energy again. And this is important because Brodebond just talks about this. Like people with hypothyroidism struggle with a sluggish liver. It's because they can't store glycogen because they've been hypoglycemic for so long. So carbon to protein in every meal, you know, whitefish, shellfish, dairy, eggs, liver, and muscle meats, things like that. Um, that would be a protein, and then your carb would be like any type of fruit, ripened fruit, uh, any type of root that's cooked, or any type of squash that's cooked. Um, within that, making sure that you're eating frequently enough throughout the day that it fuels your system. We all have different needs, different histories, and different energy expenditures. Some of us sit at a desk for 12 hours a day, right? So when you eat might be different versus the person that's out and about in the field working 
outside and it's 100 degrees, right? And they're, they're lugging logs or whatever, or doing construction, right? Our energy needs are always different. So when you eat, how much you eat is going to be different. And this take t- takes time to really tune into. But I would say beside having carbon protein is making sure that you're eating throughout the day in the sense to put enough fuel in the fire, right, to keep that fire going. And that will help with that depletion over time. It doesn't happen overnight. So I'd say those are the kind of two biggest things. Okay. And uh, the second question that I had from uh, earlier was, you know, usually people will see anemia on a, like a ferritin test or something like that. And I've read that that is usually a sign of a copper deficiency. What is like a test that somebody can take to ensure that it actually is anemia or how can they tell that it actually is a copper deficiency? Yeah, well, there's a, there's a test called the Full Monty, um, and you can Google it, like Full Monty Iron Test, and you'll find it by request to test. Um, you can actually find it on Ulta Labs. They carry um, Morley's lab, and it's going to test for, like, magnesium red blood cells, you know, iron, seroplasmin, um, vitamin A, uh, et cetera. Um, so that would be the test you want to do. The simple test of looking at iron, it's useless. Why? Because iron does not regulate iron. It doesn't work like that. Um, copper and vitamin A and their relationship with iron regulate iron metabolism. So the problem is you've, everyone's been taught that, and this happened, I don't know exactly what, 30 years ago, let's say, that, oh, anemia, we need to start fortifying our foods. It's almost impossible, impossible for people to be truly anemic, right? Iron anemia. I'm not talking about the other types of anemia. Um, Because of how fortified our foods are, at the same time, how people are becoming so depleted in copper, right? Um, Now, people will say, well, my iron levels are low. You can't just look at one level. You have to look at everything and correlate to really make a true distinction. But instead of looking at anemia as an iron deficiency, we need to start looking at it like this. Anemia is not an iron deficiency and it's an iron recycling problem because of lack of bioavailable copper. Now, why would there be a lack of bioavailable copper? I mean, this is like huge stuff. And I got introduced to this stuff by a colleague of mine who has studied Morley Robbins' work for umpteen years. So I got introduced to those work probably like five, six years ago. Um, And it's really deep technical stuff, but it's fascinating. So when you look at copper, you know, what kind of chelates copper affects copper bioavailability in our body? Roundup, right? Um, High fructose corn syrup. NSAIDs, taking vitamin, synthetic vitamin D3 or synthetic vitamin D2 that's added to milk, et cetera. Taking calcium supplements, taking zinc supplements, taking, um, you know, or eating synthetic vitamin C. These are all the things, and think about it. How many people you know do that? Everyone. All these things are going to chelate or chelate copper from the body or affect copper bioavailability. And when you affect copper bioavailability, you affect iron recycling, among a million other things. Remember, you need copper for cellular energy production. So if you can't get copper in the cell and all those bits and pieces of your cell and your mitochondria that 
that allow those things to work, they're all copper dependent. You can't produce energy. So no matter what you do, you're still creating oxidative stress, right? Um, so copper is really important. That doesn't mean to take a copper supplement. Um, it means to stop all those things that are causing your body to chelate copper. And the problem is everyone's like, well, I take D3 and this research says take D3. So great, take it. I don't really care. I'm just trying to educate. You know, I take zinc. I take calcium. My chiropractor told me to. My doctor told me to. Well, ask them why. And most of them are going to say, well, because the research shows. Unfortunately, we have to keep digging. We have to look at the why. And we have to look just at human physiology, right? When you look at it, it makes so much sense biologically looking at the biochemistry of how copper regulates iron metabolism. So what happens is copper goes down, iron tissue saturation is going to go up. So of course, now we create even more oxidative stress with that saturation of iron in our tissues. Um, so the test would be that full Monty, how to treat that. It's different per every person, but I would say the first step is to get the lab done. The second step is to stop the high fructose corn syrup, the NSAIDs, ibuprofen, all that stuff, all those synthetic supplements that I talked about, synthetic C, calcium, zinc, D3, um, obviously eat non-GMO. Um, and then from there, have someone look at your lab to say, well, what do I need to do to move forward? For most people, it's about restoring minerals. And of course, copper is one of them. And that's where we get copper. We're going to get easily from eating liver, of course, throughout the week, if not taking desiccated liver every day. Everyone should be taking desiccated liver. But if you're still eating genetic modified foods and taking D3 and doing all those things, you haven't stopped those, don't take it because you're not. it's not going to really benefit you, right? It's going to be still you're going to have lack of bioavailable copper. So anemia has to do with lack of bioavailable copper, which affects the recycling system, right? Because when we take an iron, it goes into our enterocyte and that front door but in order for us to absorb it out that back door, the enzymes that regulate that back door or those cuproproteins are copper dependent. So if we don't have copper, we can't absorb iron. We're iron anemic, but we're really not. And this is, this is hard to grasp and really look at because we've been taught for so long that anemia exists. If you're female or an athlete, you're tired, you're anemic, you're going to show low iron. Unfortunately, it's really not low iron. It's low copper bioavailability and iron recycling dysfunction, right? Um, and we've helped so many people regulate it without iron. So for me, that's plain as day. Um, but I hope that enlightens some people because I think a lot of people are taking iron and they say, well, I'm pregnant or I'm anemic. I don't think anyone, there's no human in this in universe that should be taking supplemental iron. I don't care if you're pregnant, does not matter. You should not be taking it. It's basically just stating that the iron is basically hiding from the blood test in a way because it's in the tissues. Yeah, so plasma and tissue are gonna be very different. Very different. Um, uh, there might be, but I don't know how to look at the tissue, but this is why you do the full Monty because you're looking at seroplasmin and copper and vitamin A and magnesium and, and all these things that regulate iron to really see what's happening. You know, is someone actually copper deficient? Are, you know, what their tissue saturation is? I mean, 
obviously you might have saw it, but I posted about vitamin D yesterday on Instagram and there was a lot of love, but there was of course a lot of bashing and telling me I'm an idiot and irresponsible and the list goes on. But, um, I'm just trying to share and educate people because every single person that has done a full Monty panel with me that's on D3, doesn't matter if they're on or high doses, they have the exact same lab result. I see it all the time and their iron is always high and their copper and seroplasm always, or their copper might be high, but their seroplasm is low because they have that lack of bioavailability. It's the same thing with every single person. And I think people are striving for such a high level of D and there's a huge problem with that, you know, as I mentioned in the email, because it not only affects copper, it affects the development and usage of vitamin A. So now we create more of an, you know, issue. And I think if I remember correctly, vitamin A plays a huge role in copper bioavailability. Um, that vitamin D3 will um, also just what's the word I'm looking for right now, kind of allow our body to dump magnesium, you know, even more than we already dump. So it creates so much of a problem, but I see the same lab result with every single person. So I don't recommend anyone to take T3, D3. And I know the research says it's beneficial and yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, like Morley Robbins said, I was just listening to a, a thing he put out. It was a, you know, free class he did last week or the week before, but He's like, between January and May of this year, 200,000 people died of the coronavirus, so-called coronavirus. In that same amount of time, 5.6, I think it was million, yeah, million people died of heart disease. So what's the real pandemic, right? We have to look at that. Well, right, what regulates the heart and how it really works, right? There's a lot of different things. Of course, the minerals, potassium plays a huge role huge role it also plays a huge role with thyroid health um and of course d affects our body's levels of potassium you also see low potassium what regulates the heartbeat and, and all these different things of the heart thyroid hormone right broto barnes talks about this so heart disease really is not about the heart it's about our minerals and it's about thyroid hormone in our cells so the real pandemic is we're moving people in the wrong fucking direction because everyone's just listening to the research and everyone's just listening to the doctors and they say, take calcium and, and take D3 and you're going to be healthy. Well, you're not. You might, might feel better now, but trust me, long term, you're the one that's going to get the bone spurs. You're, you're the one that's going to get the neuropathy. You're the one that's going to get the calcification in your arteries and have to go on high blood pressure medication. I see it all the time with people that are on those high doses, so we don't recommend people taking D3. It's interesting, um, especially because they're rec recommending it so much in the media right now with Corona going around. Um, well, I mean, you, it, it, it's, it's hard. You know, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news in 12 years. Um, why? Because it's all, I don't know, I even know what the word for this is. Would it be censored? It's all formulated. I mean, look at social media. You see what they want you to see, and you don't see what they don't want you to see. And unfortunately, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist but it's just the truth. You know, you see it. Facebook even says anything about vaccines is going to be blocked or they're not going to be even listed, right? That's censorship. So how can we watch the news and really believe what they're saying? Okay. Yes. Someone died and they're showing that. Yes. I'm not saying I don't have compassion. I don't believe that, but everything in between, 
you know, we have to really question that. We have to question why this is happening. We have to question why, you know, and what are the dangers of taking all this D3 they're telling us to take. When years ago it was like, you know, oh, everyone needs it. It's going to help everyone. Well, since the time they recommend it, guess what? We're still dying. And as a country, we're still ranked one of the worst when it comes to healthcare and we spend the most amount of money. So what's really going on, you know? And unfortunately, most doctors don't know this about vitamin D, but at the same time, most doctors give vaccinations and they fucking know nothing about the vaccination. They don't even know how it was made, where it came from, what are the side effects. They just know they have to give it, right? Because doctors can't question because if they question, guess what happens? They lose their license. They lose their livelihood. It's, it's a fear-based medicine. That's all it is. And you see it because all the doctors that came out were like, yeah, this coronavirus is going on, but this is weird. Like we're getting these pamphlets from the CDC and the WHO and telling us what we're supposed to say and what we're supposed to do. And I'm not comfortable with this. And then they put up videos and those videos are taken down. So it's like, can you really believe the media? Definitely. Um, so kind of as a, a ending note, what are some of the biggest tips that you would give somebody just now uh, taking on this health journey? Slow down, slow down, stop chasing, you know, it's, and you know, we're, we're, we're always trying to do something with our health, you know, Oh, you know, I need to get my red light therapy. Oh, I need to get the supplement. Everyone's taking, I need to get those mushrooms. Everyone's drinking, you know, Oh, I got, I got to do the ketamine therapy. Everyone's doing, I got to buy the sunglasses so I can wear them at bedtime that everyone's doing. Oh, I got to do the enemas. And before you know it, that takes up your whole day. That's not fun. That's not sustainable. It's exhausting. So I think as a society, if we just slow down when it comes to our health journey, we, we can kind of let the smoke settle and just go, like, what do I really need every day to thrive? Right? And I'm not talking about red light therapy and all that stuff. I'm talking about, like, what makes you smile? What makes you, beside work and taking care of your kids, right, or going to the gym, what else do you do that makes you kind of feel resourced and smile? And when you slow down, you can do those things, right? And, and that's huge because, as we mentioned, Gabor Mate, he talks about anytime there's that stress and trauma, there's that disconnection from self, right? So when we begin to do these things that make us happy or smile or resourced and we slow down, we can reconnect with ourselves. We become more aware. We make better decisions for our health and the list goes on. So I'd say the biggest thing would be slow down, you know, um, I'm trying to think if I can think of another one, but you know, like you said, our, the goal for health has become so unhealthy. I mean, the average person we work with is taking 10 supplements. They've tried carnivore, keto, paleo, SIBO diet, AIP, I heard of another one the other day I've never heard of is the Hippocrates diet. Interesting. Seriously. Like I've never heard of that diet before. <laughs> and she says, I tried Hippocrates. I'm like, what is that? It's just like, it's a diet. I'm like, it makes sense that it's a diet, but there's so many diets. And if we really take a step back and go, what is going on? Why are there so many diets when there's one human body, mm. there's one human body that has physiology that doesn't lie. It's that simple. We produce hydrochloric acid. 
everyone's body produces hydrochloric acid. Why? Because it's a part of our immune system and it breaks down protein. No protein diets make no sense because it doesn't align with how the body works. Mm-hmm. We produce enzymes in our stomach and our small intestine to break down and absorb, and even in our mouth, carbohydrates. So to not eat carbohydrates make no sense, right? And we could talk about all these diets. Focusing on a system, when the body's in system of systems, just focusing on the gut and saying, you have digestion issues, let's just try to fix it with this very restrictive lockdown gut diet. It's just the body doesn't work like that, right? It's a system of systems. So when we take a step back and we look at all this and we just see, well, since the Atkins diet and then the McDougal diet and then vegan, it's just, we're, it's insanity. We, it's the insanity diet. Everyone is expecting different results five, 10, 15 years later, but as a society, we're doing the exact same things, right? And that's why people are not getting results. They think if they go to their naturopath and do labs, it's going to be better than going to their doctor and do labs. Same philosophy. If they do keto because carnivore didn't work, they're going to heal. Same philosophy. It's restrictive. The list goes on. So I think we need to slow down and really think about what, what do I need every day as a human being to thrive? When we start meeting our own needs, that's when healing really happens. Definitely. Uh, where can people find you? Um, our website, eastwesthealing.com. Um, you can find our social media pages at the bottom there. Um, we have an Instagram page, a Facebook page. Um, we have Twitter, but we don't really use that much. But mostly Instagram, Facebook. Our Instagram is Real Food Gangsters, and our Facebook is obviously East West Healing. Um, we also, on our website, offer a free consult. We've done it for 20 years for everyone that's interested in just talking with us so we can learn more about you, answer your questions, and maybe talk about how we can work with you. So we offer that as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, you heard it from Josh Rubin himself. Uh, thank you for tuning in and everybody listening. And if you haven't already, uh, go check him out. He is a super knowledgeable guy, probably one of the most knowledgeable uh, in the metabolic theory of health kind of realm. And so I highly recommend his work as well as his wife. Um, she's another great uh, resource as well. And uh, make sure to like and subscribe. And I will talk to you next time. Have a good one.